think we got off to a bad start. So, hey, you like Malibu Stacy too. Oh, yeah. And you like the same one I like with the grad student glamour pack, just like the one in my locker. That's mine, isn't it? <laughs> oh. <gasps> Tastes like yours. <gasps> Do you like jazz? Uh, I like jazz. Millhouse? She got you too? Yeah, but it's not so bad. I'm standing on Ralph. We're a totem pole. Hiya, 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 hiya. Four finger discount, dude. Welcome to Four Figure Discount. This week we are here to review episode C-A-B-F-1-1. It is Bye Bye Nerdy. I am Dando. I am Guy. And is this a talking Seinfeld episode? Because this episode was a whole lot of nothing. <laughs> I was about to say, this episode didn't annoy me. It didn't really excite me. It was just there. It was parts of it where I got... I would have been about two-thirds of the way through and I just went, do I have to keep watching this? Not that I didn't like it. I was just, like, bored. Pretty much, yeah. I mean... When I take my notes about an episode, they usually take up um, at least an A4 page, usually a little bit more. Yep. With this, I think I've made it like, uh, I've got close to three quarters of a page of notes, because it's just like, mm, yeah, okay. Mm. You're right, it's not especially bad, but nor is it good, and it's just kind of there. To quote our man Homer Simpson, it's just a bunch of stuff that happened. <laughs> It actually, the thing is, though, it actually had some potential. But when they were setting up the bully aspect, they, they, they could have gotten to a real emotional kind of story there with Lisa befriending this bully and finding out why she is the way she is. But to get into the whole her developing like this scientific breakthrough of nerd sweat and everything, I just went, this is just, it's just a little too absurd for me. I don't even mind that. I mean, I'm all for the absurdity of like, oh, the reason bullies bully is that nerds give off a certain kind of pheromone that just, you know, makes them eminently punchable. I think that's kind of funny. And What does she call it? Um, oh, well, are we going to ruin one of our um, trivia questions? I'll, I'll wait there. I'll, I'll try to remember it for the trivia question. <laughs> Continue, yes. <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, look, I think I've actually got enough trivia questions this time around, so we could probably, that could be a gimme. Um, it's, it's poindextros. Point dextrose, yes. Which is, you know, not a bad gag in itself. Um, but, yeah, I mean, in terms of, like, a the, all the storyline that sort of leads up to the whole um, scientific breakthrough is, like, there's some okay bits in here. I like the bit where she, uh, where Lisa sort of uh, roped in the uh, the male bullies, you know, the, the you know, uh, Nelson and his, Nelson Munson and his crew. Yep, and I'm um, like, oh, we're not doing, we, we don't take on girls, you know. We fall, we'll, we'll fall in love. <laughs> yeah, we'll, they fight dirty, and we might fall in love. <laughs> uh, look, I like that bit, and there are other bits and pieces in there that were pretty good, but yeah, generally, I don't know. None of it really sort of hung together all that well. Yeah, no. the parts were good. The sum of the parts was less than good. Let's say. Well, to to me, this episode it just sort of is the epitome for me so far of. An episode that's written by people who, and I could be wrong here because John Frink seems like a name. I'm going to just go onto his Wikipedia page. He mm. seems like he's been on the show for a while, but it came across like an episode that was written by people who had come in what they call post-Golden Era. 
and have just gone a massive fuck you to the character development that's come before in a sense that there's there's just one aspect of this episode that really bothered me is not the word, but I was just like, so Willie is apparently a pedophile who films kids and that's just like whatever. I don't know. It just I know it's a it's a reference to him being rowdy roddy peeper from Home of Bad Man in like season six or whatever. Mm. And don't don't get me wrong, that's terrible. But at least he's filming adults having sex. You know, that's he's a creep, well, he's a perv. So be it. You know, it's not it's not it's not good, but I can I can buy into that. But the fact that a he's filming kids, you know, possibly in the change rooms or whatever, mm-hmm. like fi- filming the kids doing anything, and Lisa realizing that he's filming all the kids. And her not being bothered by it. I was like, shouldn't that be a story in itself? The fact that the groundskeeper of the school is filming the children? Like, it's, not, it's, not, it's not even played off as a gag. It's just, oh yeah, we needed a reason for Lisa to be able it's to see security happens, footage. Yeah. Willie is filming the kids. I was like, well, well, but that, it, just, it just makes the character of Willie... He, he's a pedophile. Yeah, how, yeah, do you, yeah. how do you add that aspect to his character and just play it off like it's nothing? I was like, that's you can't do that to this character that we've not fallen in love with. But like these characters, for a good part of a decade right they were treated with such care by the writing staff that they felt like an extension of your family you know you willie as a character he's a loser he's uh, he's got nothing going for him mm. but you, you loved him for it you know he was down and out but you loved him because he was passionate but the fact that he's filming the school kids and you've just turned him into this pedophile because you just wanted to get a cheap fucking stupid gag or st- story progression because you have no love for what came beforehand i was like fuck you whoever wrote that like you can't make Willie a pedophile. It's ridiculous. Am I am I looking into it too much? It, I can I, I can wholly understand where you're coming from. I mean, yeah, the fact that they've sort of been thrown under the bus or given this kind of character trait or development or whatever, yeah, for um for a quick gag and as you say to move the story along because you can't sort of think your way around it. You can't come up with a decent workaround. Yeah, it strikes me as a bit slack. I mean, uh, it's probably never going to come up again in any future episodes or anything like that and life will just no. go on as normal so uh, it, was, it was forgotten by it was forgotten in the very next scene it was like oh yeah willie films the kids at school move on i'm like you can't just what that's fucking ridiculous and i'm just looking mm. here on john frink's page so i thought he'd been in for a while no he's started in the show in 2000 in season 12 that was the first time he started oh, okay. writing episodes so well that's the thing i mean he's coming on board as someone who you know he sort of wants to make an impression fresh out of the gate or whatever, or, you know, he's someone who goes there. Look, I don't know Mr. Frink. I don't want to blame John Frink for it because it, had, it was co-written by John Frink and a man called Don Payne. So it could be Don Payne. Got, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, but, but like, it was, um, it had to have been cleared by Mike Scully and all the other stuff. But I just thought, how did no one in the writing room go, do we really want to make mm. Willie a pedophile? Like, how, how, did, how does no one bring that up? I don't know. It just... Just seemed that that was the point in the episode where I went, ah, oh, fuck you guys. <laughs> well, that's the thing. I mean, maybe they figured, oh, look, he's got he's got perving in his past. Let's just keep that and roll with it. But you know, you're right. You are correct. It's two very different things. <laughs> and then the other thing was, you had Kathy Griffin, who take it or leave it, people hate. Some people hate her. Some people love her. But you had this well, very well known comedian in 2001. She was, you know, very very popular. It just mm. felt like a bit of a waste. Yeah, in all honesty, I mean, yeah, it could have easily been. Uh, in all honesty, she was outshone by Tress McNeil. I think Tress McNeil did more with, um, yeah, w- with the character, you know, trying to um, sell baby safety products. I mean, that was on when I saw the end credits and I saw Jan Hook's name in the end credits. I thought, oh, did Jan Hooks do that bit? Because no, she's oh, Manjula. I, yeah, I, I know she's Manjula, but yeah. I then well, I then realised she was Manjula. But I mean, I like Jan Hooks, and I figured this strikes me as a Jan Hooks bit. Mm-hmm. You know, and it turns out it wasn't. It was Tress. 
But um, yeah, I think she did a better job than Kathy Griffin. I mean, it's like, like but that, that's not Kathy's fault though because she wasn't. No, any, no, it's any a nothing character. To work with. It's a nothing character. The character is more in the animation and yeah, and the visuals than in the than in any sort of uh, voice, any dialogue or any sort of uh, voice inflection or anything like that. The problem with the guest with that guest star role is that, besides the fact that she was the new kid, you really could have just replaced her with any of the bullies at the school, and the, the, the story still could have worked. Yeah, it it could easily have been you know Lisa Rubs, one of the four main bullies around, or you know, even you know Sherry or Terry turns into a mean girl or something along those lines. Mm-hmm. But uh, you know, but then that creates you know a tale that you sort of have to follow or. Or you've got to resolve it within the episode, and I don't know. Maybe that seemed beyond the writers at this stage. The subplot of Homer baby-proofing everything. I think I enjoyed more having been a parent now. <laughs> are you? Are you? Uh, are you nervous about um, electrical outlets and uh, stuff under the sink? I'm sure it actually happens, but does that raise sort of awareness and um, anxiety actually occur? I find I found with the second ones. Obviously, uh, Holly can't walk or do anything like that yet, but. I think I'll be a lot less stressed out with Holly than I was with Elliot. With Elliot, it's, you read all these horror stories and you get told this and you get told that. And just it, like we've got all these, we've got protectors in the PowerPoints and things like that. But I think we might have gone a little bit overboard, even when it comes to things like, I guess you could never go overboard with it, but things like, you know, make sure everyone's had the hooping cough needle before they come near Elliot. And, you know, you can't do this and you can't do that. And I think we may have just been a little bit too conscious of things. We could have just chilled out. I think with Holly, we'll be a little bit more relaxed. But you're just watching it and seeing all the uh, all the reasons that Homer was like, all the stapling the thing to the record player, just finding anything that, that could damage the baby. Yeah. It's like mm-hmm. when you're a first time parent, you kind of do feel like that. But with the second one, it's just like, eh. Well, there they go. Yeah, oh, they have, have to learn someday. <laughs> you you made it two years without breaking Elliot too badly. So yes. um, figured okay, well we we probably got this thing licked. <gasps> hey, my favorite. What was your favourite moment from this uh, somewhat bland episode, Mr. Davis? Um, I'd, I'd say my favourite uh, sequence was probably the little montage where Homer was going around town and, um, you know, uh, doing his old baby safety thing and, you know, to filling uh, Dr. Hibbert's pool full of uh, jello. So, and, and then when Dr. Hibbert gets upset about it, makes him a nice little knickerbocker glory or, you know, a, a little jelly sundae or whatever. Um, my favourite was my favourite bit of that part, though, and it's a bit of a black joke, but. Um, where, you know, the Wiggums are playing catch or whatever, you know, uh, Clancy and, and Ralph are playing catch and Ralph goes out into the street and it's about to get hit by a car, but Homer's luckily set up the, um, uh, I, don't, I don't know exactly what you call it, but, you know, the, the I was going to say great, but it's not it's not really a great. But the it's tires... The, 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 th- the things that pop the tires, yeah. The things that pops the tires. They have them in, you know, various... I think they're just called, and, are they tire spikes? Is that what they're called? Could be spikes. Yeah, yeah but the Rose tire spikes, spikes and yeah, and that that uh, poor dude gets flung through the windshield. You've got his sort of death twitch as he's lying the on the twitch, road. Yeah, yeah. The twitch, the twitch was. I mean, it's it's a bit of a bleak joke, but I also found it kind of funny. Uh, but that whole that whole sequence with the uh, yeah Homer sort of doing his thing, well, I thought was quite funny. And um, score to that band that um, that's been on before. I think yeah, the NRBQ. A- they wrote. They did the Homer and Bart the. The, the song like the that father you and son, yeah, yes. the really good one. Yeah, and they, they they seem to write really nice, sweet, short little little ditties, don't they? Indeed, yeah. So that was my favourite part of the episode. How about you? Well, I had a couple of moments that I really enjoyed. So, afternoon yak, men, <laughs> boo. <laughs> 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 
And uh, did you notice when Lisa was doing the science? Uh, what's the, t- like the science talk? The um the demonstration. Mm-hmm. And you heard the guy in the crowd twice. He goes, "Let's not listen." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's very similar to when you were, you enjoyed the um the boy band episode, New Kids on the Black, when the guy what did, what did they say? You, you suck, suck out, out loud. loud. <laughs> <laughs> but let's not listen. <laughs> Next question. You there, eating the paste. Trivia this week is, of course, brought to you by our beloved four-finger discount $20 patrons. We've got Jordan Molman Ritchie, Nick Barbaro, Andrew Zer, Christopher Darby, Chris Malion, Will Manthorpe, Ben Smith, Noah Daniel, Matt Thompson, Mark Boston Burgess, Alex Rodriguez, Tom Pickering, Kane Von Nagy, Josh Hedge, Sean Davey, Keith Nedham, Sam Bennett, Timothy Burleson, Brandon Twitchell, Nick James, Bitch, Cal McDonald, Shannon Hofer, Nicole Catalina Wine Mixer, George McMenemy, Zach Pruitt, and Jonathan Rossi. You guys are all absolute dead set legends. And also, shout out to our new $5 plus patrons, Brian from Boston. I wonder which Boston? UK on the US. Let us know, Brian. Uh, Benjamin Sinclair and Ryan Dunlap. Thank you so much, guys. And also, thanks to Joel Yelland, who upgraded from a $5 patron to an $8 patron this week as well. So, now, Mr. Davis, it's time for trivia. I've already uh, ruined one of your questions, so apologies about that. <laughs> That's cool, because I've got five more questions. Five more? Wow, we Take I it know, away, I, sir. I went buck wild this time. Okay. Um, name two of the three implements of murder that can be found in Stabios. And also their colours. Ah. Oh. A, a, a dagger was one? Yes. I don't, was, it, was that pink? It was. Oh, God, how do I remember that? Um, <laughs> axe? Not quite. Think smaller. Pickaxe. Mm, think Cleaver. axia. <laughs> Cleaver. Close. I, I, I give up. What is it? <laughs> okay. There are, you've got pink daggers, green mm-hmm. hatchets... And Hatches. yellow ice picks. Ice picks. Oh, ice picks to me is so scary. Like it, 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 They're really small, but like the fact if someone was chasing me with an ice pick, I would be horrified. Yeah. I mean, yeah, there's something quite unsettling about them that they're, you know. They're so pointy. <laughs> they're so sharp and pointy. You know, I mean, <laughs> can't, don't you have a nice ice tray that you could just pour some water in and put that in the uh, in the freezer? I feel like when someone has an axe, they chase me with an axe, they've got to give it a full swing. And that full swing gives me a chance to try and duck and get out of the way. But an ice pick, it's just like... Bah, 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 bah. Yeah, they could... Like, you I'm, get, I'm, I'm you get shanked pretty easily with that shit. Yeah, it's, yeah, yeah, yeah. Not a fan of the ice pick. All right, my, my, your, my, your, your question? My first question is, what type of Indian burn did Lisa receive from Francine? Oh, um, I want to say, was it a triple, a triple threat? Triple just, twist. I'll give you half a point. twist. Okay, thank you. <laughs> I'm a triple threat. <laughs> What's your next one, sir? Okay, then. Um, where did Homer imagine his kids dying? Oh. In, in, in which part living, of the house? In, in the living room? In the living room. In the living room. I wonder Correct. how he envisioned them dying. Oh, I don't want to speculate. <laughs> no, let's not get into it. What religion is Homer? Uh, he's Hindu, and, he, and he you don't see him. Be, and you don't see him making a big, you know, getting all bunched up about it or whatever it was. What no, 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 not at all. <laughs> While we're at uh, Apu and Manjula's place, um, what sort of pokings uh, would the would the kids get? Um, yeah, before Homer um, 
uh, showed up with his baby-proofing techniques. They were Shiva-related. They were indeed Shiva-related. No more Shiva-related pokings. <laughs> what did it say on Willie's door into the secret room? Oh, I may have looked away at that moment. It said, keep oot. <laughs> <laughs> of course it did. <laughs> uh, that has been oh. done for trivia. <laughs> you got any more? <laughs> I've got one more. All righty, let's take it away. Okay. Uh, do you know the name of Milhouse's medication? Ah, oh, shit. No, but it's something about trying to repress everything. What is it? You're extremely close. It's called Repressitol. <laughs> I knew I had repressed something in it. Yeah, yeah, okay. <laughs> uh, helps me forget all the uh, all the bad things. So that's, it. Uh, that's trivia for this week, Mr. Davis. I think it's time we get into our review. It may be a short one of Bye Bye Nerdy. <laughs> the original air date was March 11th in the year 2001. The chalk gag, I will not scare the vice president. I don't know exactly what that refers to. I'm try- I, I don't know either, no. I should have done some research and found out what would what had scared the vice president at that time. Let's, let's do it, it live was the vice the president Sim- at that time. Simpsons, Al Gore, wasn't it? Simpsons scare... Yeah. Was it Al Gore? What, what, no, who was the vice president for Bush? It's Dick Cheney. Did he have a heart attack at this time? or Vice president Dick Cheney. Simpsons... Uh, an animatronic of Dick Cheney was seen in the... I'm thinking it might be a couple of things. Because Dick Cheney did have a heart attack and that were well, I think he had a few heart attacks, but he had one that required a heart transplant. So that may have something okay. to do with it. But there's the other thing where Dick Cheney was apparently duck hunting and duck shooting and he shot some dude in the face with like um with buckshot. Yeah, you know, not not the stuff that uh, that kills you, but it gets under the skin and yeah, I mean it uh, it's quite painful. Not 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 pleasant. Not pleasant. And the thing was, the dude that Cheney shot apologised to Cheney. That's how fearsome Dick Cheney was. (laughs) Because, I mean, there's that movie Vice with Christian Bale as Dick Cheney about uh, how he was basically the puppet master behind, you know, the, um, uh, you know, uh, George W. Bush's regime. And uh, and basically, you know, the whole war on terror thing was kind of Cheney's idea. He was the puppet master pulling the strings. So, um yeah, I don't know what would scare him, but uh, you wouldn't want to scare him because he might shoot you in the face or you might give him a heart attack. Maybe that's it. It's basically saying I will not start the vice president because he will, he will kill me. That's that's a distinct possibility. Um, look, I think we've spent far too much time on this gag, but hey, it speaks volumes about uh, the content of Bye Bye Nerdy. <laughs> the couch gag is one that we've seen before. It's the bumper cars and they all just sort of ram Homer into the wall and just destroy him. Was that a repeat, so- was it? Yeah, that felt like I'd, I'd seen that before or it felt a bit familiar. Yeah, that, actually, I, I started watching next week's episode as well a little bit early because just, Disney Plus just kept, kept, you know, automatically started playing. <laughs> and the couch game for next week is the um, the big circus song and dance one that we haven't had for like seasons now. Oh. It's, it's probably like the most iconic couch gag of all, you know. It's a big one. Anyway, looking forward to that one. So the episode kicks off with with a commercial for Itchy and Scratchy Stabios. In my head, I'm thinking this is one long commercial. It is. It did it, it, it feel like it went on for a while, didn't it? But anyway, they needed to fill in some time because there wasn't much story. There so, is true, yeah. so we have uh, you know Lisa saying this uh, this commercial crossed the line. Homer, well, sex sells. <laughs> I thought that was very funny. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, for some reason, I saw that and I was like, "Guy will appreciate this." I don't, I don't know what it was, but I just knew that you would laugh at that. But um, but the thing is, I thought the first, and it's a, it's a common thread for this season, but. 
really the first five minutes of this episode, if not more, mean nothing. Absolutely nothing. Mm. It's just the kids uh, or home, Homer's late for work. It was a good line. <laughs> they said, if I'm later, I'll be fired. I can't take that chance. <laughs> 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 and then Marge sees that the school bus is on its way. And uh, she just tries to get them all ready and eat really, uh, really quickly. You know, feed them breakfast, get them dressed, blah, blah, blah. They end up missing the bus. And then she uh, tries to catch up to the bus. I don't think she wants to drag. And is this, I, I could only assume it was a, a Grease parody. Yeah, that that whole, um, it looks like the LA River in the middle of Springfield for some reason. I mean, that's been in so many movies. It's been in Greece. Um, Terminator 2. Terminator same 2. One? Uh, to Live and Die in LA. Repo Man. Whole bunch of movies. Um, yeah, somehow it ended up in the middle of Springfield and um, Marge and Otto were just uh, charging their way through it. It was like, it was like Speed 2, but instead of a... Instead of a boat, it was a bus. <laughs> Did you ever see Speed 2, colon, Cruise Control? I saw it like when I was much younger, yes. I rem- I just remember the, the boat like not crashing at the end, but just sort of like coming to a stop and just sort of hitting. Or, do- or does it crash? I think it might have crashed, but not as badly as it could have. Yeah, yeah. I just remember sort of hitting the land. I can-, I can remember like that, but I can't remember much more about it. I just remember it being... Well, this isn't Speed 1. <laughs> Very much so, yes. <laughs> it, was, uh, it was pretty weak. Uh, but so Marge wins this uh, this drag, and this is like, well, we're already at school. It was, it was pointless. Don't take that away from me. And it was, it was a funny visual of them getting on, drive a foot, get off again. But then Otto realizes that they forgot the new kid, and he speeds off again. I've got here. So it was always a big deal. Like go back to your your primary school, even like your high school years, when a new kid's joining the class, it was a big deal. Oh yeah, I mean it's a you're introducing a new element in the ecosystem. You know, I mean, they they could be, could your, be your future best, best friend. Could be your they future- could be your bestie. They could be a bully. They could be, uh, you know, if it's someone. Well, I was about to say if it's someone of the opposite sex, but let's be more inclusive. It could be your your new romantic interest, or it could be just someone who sits, you know, three tables away from you, and you're going, eh, "How you doing?" You know, yeah. it could be that <laughs> inconsequential to your life. Yeah, <laughs> the the quit the kids are kind of cruel here, but kids are very very cruel. That's one thing I worry about with Elliot is just when he goes to school. I, I just remember how cruel kids can be. trying to pull those shoes look canadian she'll never fit in by the way i do i did like the imagination that all the kids were sort of having about what the new kid might be like and nelson imagining it as an octopus yeah just killing the, the teachers <laughs> I, I thought that was pretty funny so marge and homer are now in the kitchen they've got the house to themselves and i feel like this is another one of those moments where they tease something that never actually gets mentioned or played off for the rest of the episode so we had a couple of episodes ago where bart was mentioning how he's very angry and he took a knife to school and all that kind of thing. With this one here, Marge and Homer are like, you know, I think our marriage, and they're about to sort of imply their marriage is in trouble because they've got nothing to talk to each other about. But then there's a knock at the door. And it's like, that's it. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, it just seems like an odd, an odd filler gag to have when it's like, you know, if it's not going to have any sort of like impact on the story, why are you going to bring that into it if it's not going to have any payoff? I don't know. Yeah, it's just, it, they've just got a little time to kill. They've got like 30 seconds or so to kill and... Uh... I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm sure that, well, probably not in your, you know, wonderful relationship, or whatever, but I'm sure there are times when, uh, you know, even the most uh, secure of couples would be like, eh, should we be talking to each other? Are we, uh, is this a comfortable silence or a mundane silence? Yeah, but it just seems like a big, just seems like a, a, a I don't, and I've gone to that well a few times already with the, the marriage being in trouble, but it just seems like a, a plot. It seems like a plot there. 
mm. that just doesn't get paid off at all. It's just like, oh, okay. You, I thought you were going to go somewhere with this, but you didn't. Well, so yeah, you're if, you're, the- if you're going to do that thing, go all the way with it. I mean, yeah, make make an episode out of it or make a good solid B-plot out of it that, uh, you know, Mar- Homer and Marge find themselves, you know, alone one day and sort of, you know, without the usual sort of minutiae of everyday life to tackle. And it's like, oh, wait a minute. Oh, we've run out of things to talk about. And, you know then go on a quest to sort of revitalise their, their marriage or something along those lines. Could be fun. I don't know. Maybe. Well, we've had that episode twice. <laughs> uh, and probably more than twice in all honesty. <laughs> but um, it's knock at the door from the Springfield baby-proofing. And um, as you said, Tress McNeil was just so good in this moment, wasn't she? She was. I mean, look, I was expecting like a Lindsay Nagel kind of... Uh, well, a Lindsay Nagel kind of character, but... Uh, Yes, whoever this character was, I don't think she had a name, but uh, no, marvellous work from Tress. Yeah, but Sketch is a really sort of lively character with just a, yeah, like a a handful of uh, of scenes. Good stuff. Your baby is dead. That's what you'd hear if your baby fell victim to the thousands of death traps lurking in the average American home. Springfield baby proofing? You really scared us. Sorry about that. But the truth is, your baby, Maggie Simpson, is dead. (laughs) Dead tired of baby proofers who don't provide a free estimate. Let's start in the kitchen. Now, pretend I'm a baby. (laughs) Me like to explore. That's a pretty big caboose for a baby. Come on, don't be. Wow, that is huge. (laughs) Ooh, pretty colors. Me want to drink. She got it open. You see how quickly your baby could have been drinking this Similac baby formula? No! As funny as the, you know, your baby is dead moment was. I don't know whether they realized and didn't care or just had no idea because they came into the show later on, but the episode from like season four, Itchy and Scratchy Land, has this exact same gag where yeah. Lisa bursts into Marjorie <laughs> Hammer's bedroom and says, Bart's dead. That's right. Dead serious about going to Itchy and Scratchy Land. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, ah, you've just gone to the same gag. Okay. Yeah, you'd think, I mean, even 12 seasons in, it's like, mm, I don't know if you want to be recycling that many this soon. Uh, but Homer sees this moment as very eye-opening. And um, he, he wants to start doing something about it. But before then, he sees the price of what she's going to charge to baby-proof the house and just immediately throws her out on her big caboose. Yes. Um, <laughs> we don't need your high-priced safety junk. Maggie falls from the window. <laughs> We're now at school and the kids are all looking at the new kid, Francine, who's hogging the teeter-totter. She thinks she's babe pig in the city. Uh, that's a very uh, dated reference, the old babe pig in the city. A lot of people love babe pig in the city for some reason. I haven't watched it since it, I went to the cinema to watch it. I remember going to the cinema and thinking, that poor dog. Isn't there like a, a dog hanging from a bridge at one point? There is. And there's also, what in retrospect, well, I mean, I, I remember not really digging it much of the time, but in retrospect, I thought it was very sweet. There's the dog with the uh, paralyzed back leg, so it's got the little uh, wagon that it runs around in. Mm-hmm. And I think it's hit by a car at some stage and not killed, but dazed, or has like a near-death experience. But, you know, it imagines itself in doggy heaven and it's running around and sort of doing the little leap, like trying to get butterflies and all that. It's like, oh, that's actually really nice. (laughs) (laughs) But, I mean, I remember disliking 
quite vehemently Babe Pig in the City when I first saw it, to the point where I have not revisited it. And I mean, this is, what, 20 years or so? No, I reckon that would have been 90, I reckon it would have been 97, because I think Babe was 95. About 97, 98 would have been Babe Pig in the City, yeah. Quite possibly, yeah, yeah. Um, I, just, I, just, I just literally remember sitting in the cinema being really upset about that dog hanging from a bridge, and I was just like, yeah, I don't want to watch this movie ever again. <laughs> yeah, but uh, in, in recent years, um, yeah, a lot of people are coming out saying, you know what, might even be better than Babe. I'm like, yeah, I don't know about that, but... It, do, it, doesn't, it doesn't have a that'll do, Pete, that'll do moment, I don't think. No, no, it, does, <laughs> it doesn't have, um, you know, Farmer... What, is it Farmer Hoggett? What's his name? I think yeah, Hobbit. yeah, something doing the, like that. Yeah, doing the little cheer, the cheer up dance for Babe. I'm sorry, it's the it's one of the sweetest moments in cinema. As far it's as I'm cinema, concerned. in in the entirety of cinema, in the it's history than, of cinema, it's it's even sweeter than Escape from New York, which Dando watched for the first time a couple of days ago. <laughs> Uh, so we have um, Lisa here she's going to try and make Francine feel welcome and gets punched in the face oh given this that was somewhat unexpected if you watch this for the first time you're not expecting her to get punched in the face yes unless of course you're a patron member and you saw that um, the image that I used to talk about you know new names was yes. hit, hit us with the new names and it's Lisa getting punched in the face I was pretty happy <laughs> with that one so <laughs> we come back and Lisa's got a big black eye which is just magically gone the next scene um, Homer remembers his uh, bully problem when he was a kid, but it's actually him bullying Smithers. Uh, Marge says you should reach out and see if you've got any common interests. And Lisa says maybe Jazz Fusion, which gets paid off a little bit later, which I really thought was funny. Marge says, no, no, try and try and uh, use your Malibu Stacey. That's a bit more um, realistic, that approach. They're not dolls, they're aspirational figures. Uh, this reminds <laughs> me of when we have people at work who call up and go, Pops aren't toys, they're collectibles. <laughs> <laughs> they're straight up toys, pal. Stop deluding yourself. To the point, though, where Funko now put on their box, this is not a toy. I, I remember seeing that uh, when I was packing Funkos back in the day. It's something about this is not a toy. I'm like, what the fuck is it then? <laughs> <laughs> um, so, Homer... Uh, what are we going? Uh, so Homer's drawing bunnies on the um, on the power switches to try and scare Maggie away. They're, she's very scared of bunnies. bunnies. She she she's scared of bunnies. She will be. <laughs> We're now at school, and Lisa is talking to Francine, trying to sort of see if they've got any common ground. And she thinks she's been nice to her, when actually she's just stolen her Malibu Stacy. There was some really great animation here, like great directing. Particularly the shot when she's bitten off the head of Malibu Stacey, she spits it onto the floor. The camera is sort of positioned from in front of Malibu Stacey's head on the floor, looking up at them. I just mm. thought it, it just it was there was some really good animation in this episode. If there's one positive, it was directed very very well, and it was directed by for the first time Lauren McMullen, who I believe worked on the show Mission Hill, which was very oh, short lived, okay. but it was created by um, Bill Oakley and Josh Weinstein or what. Weinstein, Weinstein. I think um, Weinstein. The guys who, yeah. yeah, the former showrunners of the show um, from like season seven, eight-ish. Um, my favorite era of The Simpsons and Bill's just an absolute champion. So um, yeah, so she went to Mission Hill, came to The Simpsons here and directed this episode. It was her first time. And I think she did a fantastic job. Speaking of Bill Oakley, I saw him on YouTube the other day. It's still, you were about to say, I saw him at the supermarket. No, no, I saw him on YouTube. Um, but um, that I think I've mentioned the show Binging with Babish recently, the YouTube channel Binging with Babish. Have mm-hmm. I mentioned it on this show? Uh, numerous times, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because it's like, he's making food, and I like food. Oh, it's a match made in heaven. But um, 
they did steamed hams. They actually made steamed hams, like steamed hamburgers. Um, but they cut to Bill Oakley saying, uh, "Hey, Bill, what do you think?" And because uh, Bill, I think Bill Oakley's got his own YouTube channel where he goes around trying like fast foods of various states or Insta- Instagram channel. Yeah, his Instagram. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, uh, I don't know sidebar, but yeah, I saw Bill Oakley on YouTube the other day, and he was talking about steamed hams. Good. What good did you think? Of, what did you think so, of steamed hams? Um, he, look, he wished them all the best with their endeavours, and honestly, okay. the, the steamed hams actually were quite nice. Okay, we'll have to, I, I, I've seen that shared numerous times. I've just never taken the time to watch it. I have to check it out. Oh, what am I talking about? I put it up on the Facebook page. Oh God, I'm an idiot. Sorry, it's been Would, a long day. <laughs> <laughs> So basically, France, Francine here, she's just, you know, Lisa knows she's in for it. She grabs her. Every time, this is one thing, another great another great sort of aspect of the, of the directing. Every time Francine is approaching Lisa and Lisa's in peril, I actually feel for her safety. True, yeah. I don't know if it's the way that Francine is uh, is drawn or, yeah, just the direction of the uh, of the scenes between them. But, yeah, she's, she's quite a threatening character. But it's, you know what it also is? It's not very often... If at all, we've seen female characters getting beaten up on The Simpsons. I, I can't recall that many. No. So, you know, if seeing any. Martin getting beaten up, Millhouse getting beaten up, it's like, whatever, boys beating boys. Hmm. But it's I don't think we've seen... Like, this is Lisa, you know, eight-year-old, and she's getting the shit kicked out of her. I think that's what the confronting part of it is. It's it's it might uh, Does that sound sexist? It, it just seems different because it's a female getting beaten up? I don't know. To me, it just seems a little more confronting because it's Lisa. Well, I think the stereotype is that, um, you know, uh, boys tend to, you know, do their bullying physically while girls are very much into the psyops sort of, uh, you know, um, uh, emotional and psychological destruction of their enemies. It's a, <laughs> the way, it's we, a cl- the, the way it's we should a go about but, it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, so she gets thrown into the locker and then, and this is the payoff here. So, well, Jazz, do you like Jazz? <laughs> I thought that was such a... That was a really good line reading by Yardley as well. Yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How about definitely. jazz? You like jazz? <laughs> <laughs> uh, and Milhouse and Ralph with the uh, somewhat racist "Hey, Hannah, uh, Hey, uh, Hannah" uh, totem pole <laughs> gag in the uh, in the locker. Then we get Homer baby proofing the house. He's nailing stuff, nailing baby, uh, bubble wrap all over the place. How it's pretty nuts when Maggie has the nail gun. And it's like going through his hand and stuff. It's kind of like, that's, a, oh, it's, that's pretty full on. It's pretty nuts. But look, I mean, I think it was a big thing in the 90s as well. And I blame Home Alone for this. That um, there was a whole, I don't know about a whole spate. Maybe it was just a couple of John Hughes movies. But um, there was a thing with adults basically getting folded, spindled and mutilated by uh, adorable young tykes. From Macaulay Culkin to the baby, well, the titular baby in Baby's Day Out. Um, if there are any other uh, examples, please let me know. Did uh, John Hughes do Baby's Day Out? He didn't direct it, but I believe he produced it. Okay, yeah. I and probably wrote loved it. that movie when I was a kid, man. I haven't watched it since I was a kid. And it's going to stay that way. But I love that movie. I think you should leave it in your, in your childhood <laughs> memories. It's good. The thing is, though, The Baddies is actually a really good cast. Oh, yeah. It's, um, well... It's it's a uh, it's Fat Tony, Fat Tony. It's and yeah. I believe I believe Joey Pants, aka Joe Pantoliano, aka Cipher from the Matrix Cy- movies, yes, yeah, so, yeah, Cipher, yeah, yes. yeah, aka Guido the Killer Pimp from Risky Business, um, is one of them. And, 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 the, and the other dude, he's the one I'm pretty sure that gets shot in the head in Starship Troopers. Is that him? It could well be him, actually. 
Oh, the country boy's like, oh, there's something wrong with my helmet. Yeah, and then bang. And then, <laughs> and then, oh, no shit. So I just did a nerd daddy with Elliot, right? We did the, the Starship Troopers um, pop vinyls. We unboxed them for the video. And I sort of were trying to remember the movie. I haven't watched it in a long time. But I was talking on the on the episode about how mum let me go to the, uh, a birthday party. It's for my friend Daniel Jones. So it was Daniel Jones, Michael, me and myself. We're like a trio. We're like best buddies. And Daniel's dad, Rod, took us to see Starship Troopers. For oh, St- for Rod is like birthday. a hero. So, so I was like fucking eight when I saw this movie and there's boobs and there's blood and there's heads getting fucking exploded by brain giant, bugs. And I'm like- Giant bugs. Oh, yeah. man. <laughs> and I'm like, holy shit. I watched this movie when I was eight. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what, what a film though. Holy shit. What a film. Oh, Starship Troopers is an absolute winner. Love it. It so is, man. If you, honestly, listeners, if you- if you have not seen Starship Troopers, like, for example, if you are one of those people that goes, I don't do sci-fi, you'll still appreciate this movie. Go and watch it. It is so good. Yes, Dando and Guy both say, check it out. We give it two thumbs up. So it was a really funny visual, though, from the, when it's side on and Homer's just, like, stuck to the wall. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> but Marge walks in and um, takes the nail gun away from Maggie. Um, so, so what you say that people, kids were actually running around shooting their parents with nail guns? I, no, I don't believe this was the case. But um, oh, okay. certainly in popular culture, there was a thing for a while there where it's like, isn't it adorable that these, you know, uh, misbehaving adults are running afoul of these children? And guess what? The things that are happening to them would probably kill them in real life, but uh, not in this situation. So, you know, no one was actually harmed in the making of Baby's Day Out. <laughs> we all laughed, except I'm, me. I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty sure, what's his face, who gets shot in the face with a nail gun in, in uh, Home Alone, right? Uh, either... Um, Joe Pesci or Daniel Stern, I can't remember. Daniel Stern, yeah, I'm pretty sure he gets shot in the face with a nail gun and he's fine. Oh, look, yeah, all all manner of foul things happen to poor old Joe and Danny in the midst of Home Alone. I haven't watched Home Alone in a very long time. Do it, man. Man, I listened to the score at work today. It's fucking, it's so good. Like, it's. I remember the score being lovely. And that's John Williams. It really is, yeah. Is it John Williams? Correct. Yeah, yeah. Well, he, he automatically makes everything better. And I do remember, look, maybe I was a bit of a Grinch when I saw it. I mean, I was not that invested in, um, in you know, young Macaulay's sort of escapades and all that shit. Um, also, I thought it was weird that he just ordered a cheese pizza. What? I, you know, if you're going to get a pizza, get more stuff on it than cheese. I mean, that's just a Turkish bread with cheese on it. Just, you know, have some pepperoni, have some mushrooms, have some olives. Nah, man, when you were a kid, cheese pizza all the way. Margarita was what you had when you were a kid. Did you, were you, like, can you remember when you had pizza as a kid? It was always margarita. I was, I was, I was capriciosa from day one. Oh, okay. Well, fucking Mr. Ladidar over here. <laughs> <laughs> Four years old, strolling in with your little beret. I'll yes, have a capuchosa, thank like, you, sir. Yeah. <laughs> and hold the uh, anchovies, uh, motherfucker. Yeah, about, no, no anchovies on that one, please. <laughs> <laughs> hold the anchovies. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, but, but yeah, Home Alone, go watch it. It's, it's a good movie. Okay, I do remember at the end, though, you know, with the, uh, the creepy next-door neighbour who turns out not to be creepy... And um, wasn't he saying, oh, I haven't spoken to my family in a very long time and all that kind of stuff. And then his family shows up and you see him through the window giving him a hug. I'm tearing up now thinking about it. It was lovely. Because yeah, Kevin uh, Kevin encourages him, just you know, maybe they want to talk to you. Go go and reach out to them. And then yeah, you find the, out that he reached out to him, he took Kevin's advice and, ah, oh, fuck, tears are flowing. Indeed. it's a, <laughs> That's very good casting as well because, I mean, I remember seeing that guy, that actor, his name is Roberts, Roberts with an S, Blossom. Um, and he generally played creepy old dudes. 
including like, um, have you ever heard of the serial killer Ed Gein? Yes. Yes. He played like a... That's, a, that's Texas Chainsaw a, Massacre, dude. Yeah, yeah. He played like an Ed Gein knockoff in this movie called Deranged that is just really yeah. grimy and nasty. Um, and he played like the serial killer in that and he was really good. And um, he's also in the, um, the movie version of Stephen King's Christine as the guy who sells... Um, I'm going to say that I'm saying the word the titular car or the titular whatever a lot this episode, but hey, I like saying it. Um, he sells the titular Christine to uh, the poor guy who ends up buying it, and he's just really seedy and gnarly and all that. And you think he's going to be seedy and gnarly in Home Alone, but he just turns out to be a misunderstood old dude. Yeah, just just a lonely okay. old man looking for love. You've got you've got me. I'm I'm probably going to rewatch Home Alone sometime in the near future. Yes, Probably before that, Christmas uh, uh, because it's it's a Christmas movie, not unlike Dark yes, Hat. 100%. The thing is, though, just be prepared that the, the, the shenanigans that happen to Pesci and, and um, Stern is ridiculous and unrealistic, but just buy into it. It's a kid's movie. Oh, okay. I think like, I can don't, do don't sit, don't sit there and go, um, excuse me, if you know that blowtorch touched your head, you wouldn't be you know surviving that. Oh, if that giant I, like, cannonball fired into your face hit you, you would be in a million pieces. Like, don't, I, may don't go resem- <laughs> I may resemble him in hairline and increasingly belt size, but I am not comic book guy in real life. No, I'm not going to be watching Home Alone going, hmm, well, is this young man actually Home Alone? I don't know. I find it most, I find it hard to believe that they would actually mis, you know, misplace a child. And also, the, what kind of work does this man do that he can take nine children to Paris and also fly business class? I don't know. The one thing about it is that so he goes out wondering, goes to the church and he sees the old guy, blah, 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 has a conversation with him, all this other stuff. And then he's like, I've got to go protect my house from these bad guys. It's like, why don't you just go to the police station and get the cops to come with you and it all would have been settled straight away. <laughs> yeah. and like, get- I, I have to protect my house. And he runs home and it's like, you know, the cops could have just stopped him if you just called into the cop station on the way home, mate. You know, well, true, but you know how much uh, how much movie would have how much money the movie would have made at the box office if that had happened. Uh, we'll never know, Mister Davis. We'll never know. No, four dollars and twenty five cents exactly. <laughs> Homer here, basically. So he's he's turned the house into all this baby proofed. Uh, well, he's just baby proofed the house, I should say, and makes Marge feel like she's a horrible mother because he dials for the baby po- uh, the poison. Hotline, blah, blah, blah. This is where he has another one of his, you know, life-changing moments where he's realized his purpose in life and he's going to protect the city. And then we get another nail through his hand, drawn very, very grotesque. Like, nails through hands, man, just gets me every time. It's just gross. Yeah, that's um, no fun. <laughs> no. Martin is getting tomatoed by the by the bullies. This is where Lisa asks for some bodyguard work. And they're all prepared. They're excited for it because they've been putting some deals together. They're impressed by the Indian burns and everything. But they realize, wait a minute. No, no, no. This was done by a girl. We won't protect you against girls. Um, but Nelson goes to take Lisa for a little stroll. So this is where Lisa notices that uh, Francine, as you know, she's she's only tripping over the the the, the nerd. She's not touching Bart, who isn't perceived as a nerd. Um, so she thinks there's, there's something about this. I'm going to crack the bully code. Homer now has his own baby mobile. He's got the baby on top. Um, he's just he's gone all he's gone all in with his baby proofing business. Doesn't have a job apparently. Uh, he puts <laughs> the no, puts the novelty hands on Shiva. Suggests that uh, suggests they go uh, Buddha. Then we get the, the montage that you enjoy with the, the jelly in the pool and the spikes on the road and all these other things, the bubble wrap playground. It's a really nice song, like you said, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it's, it's the cherry on the cake of that little montage. Then we get Willie cleaning out Wendell's puke. He really, 
the thing about Willie is he embraces his job. It's a terrible job, but he goes all in and he loves it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, say what you like about Willie and we'll probably have stuff to say after, you know, uh, you know the whole thing with the videotapes and the cameras and the whatnot. But, um, yeah, he, he takes his job seriously and he, he does it with a degree of pride. So, um, yeah, whatever else you can say about him, pervert, the, um, he's certainly good at his job. Lisa asks to see the security tapes. Willie tries to deny it, but he says, nope. Yeah. She says, nope, we can see the cameras. So we get Lisa here saying, why does the school need to watch us? School? <laughs> but that, that, yeah, but there's nothing else to say. I just think it just seemed very unnecessary to have Willie be a pedophile for the sake of making the story continue. There was plenty of other ways for Lisa to realize that uh, Francine was the one doing it. But what I will say is it was very well directed and the score was also great. Once mm-hmm. Willie leaves to go refill the uh, the toilet roll dispenser, and Francine appears behind her, like the the real like you sort of like scary score kicks in, and Lisa has no idea what's behind her. It actually felt like it felt like I, I said to you off the air before we started. I just watched the fog recently. It felt like those guys from the sea coming to get people on the fog. Like Ooh, it felt yeah. it felt like a real horror film. This little this little scene. I thought it was really well done. Of course, the nose clip. Hey Willie, I think I'm onto something. Check this out. Not talking, eh, Willie? Just listen, then. I think I figured out what sets off that big ape, Francine. Willie? Willie? Whoa! We come back from commercial, and Lisa is making all the noise. By the way, I did, I did like Willie. I did like the, the, the last bit before the ad break with Willie just giving the thumbs up to the camera. Well, this is the thing. It actually was quite... It made me feel a little bit uncomfortable just hearing Lisa getting belted up. I was like, oh, nice. But they had to they sort of... They eased the tension a bit, like you said, by having Willie give the thumbs yeah. up. <laughs> for an ep- yeah, for an episode that's not very <laughs> good, <laughs> I mean, it's very well made. Yeah, the, I thought the directing was really solid. It was really good work. Hmm. Uh, we come back. Lisa is making all the nerds exercise because she needs to get their sweat. Um, Martin asked why, why are we doing this didn't think to ask before he started exercising but it was purely so that the viewers at home could be told by Lisa why she's doing this mm-hmm. and he agrees says I'm going to drip like pot roast and Lisa manages to squeegee all the sweat out of him uh, oh the scraping seems wrong but it feels so right Database doesn't get many lines in the show but the ones he gets are always really great. I'm pretty sure Nancy Cartwright does his voice, but yeah, it seems so wrong, but feels so right. One <laughs> of my favorite lines that Database says is when it's Bart's comet and all the kids are sitting in the cafeteria and Bart points at the comet coming towards Earth and Database just goes, it's coming towards us at a fantastic speed. <laughs> oh, it's so good. This, oh, fuck. This actually could have been my favorite moment. Probably is my favorite moment. I thought Dredderick Tatum in this was great. Yeah, look, you had issues with uh, with the whole Willie thing. I had a couple of issues with Dredrick Dredrick Tatum. Um, yeah, actually, only only one, really. Um, that whole thing with, uh, with Edna coming on to him, asking for a ride home. You really don't want that, trust me. It's like, well, okay, Dredrick Tatum is clearly Mike Tyson. And for everything that Mike Tyson has done in his life and career, he does have a spotty history with women, let's say. And that's me being polite. So, um, I don't know. I mean, look, I'm, I think the, the listeners will know that I am all for a, 
a dark gag, a bit of gallows humour. Um, but yeah, that one was like, ooh, you're close to the bone with that one, guys. I laughed at it, but now that you mentioned that, I guess you could say, yes, it is kind of terrible to try and make light of that scenario. It yeah, is, probably, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, if I knew somebody who had been, you know, I, I don't know what Mike Tyson's done in his personal life, but just say, for example, he had done some horrible shit to women. If you knew that one of those per- one of those people, one of those women, you wouldn't want The Simpsons making light of the situation with a gag like this, I guess. Yeah, I don't know. But having said that, they sort of made up for it when he's... um. Well, I'm skipping ahead a little bit here, but when he is getting little punches by Nelson, he said, I insist that you desist. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or you leave, me very, you leave me very little recourse. <laughs> Mr. Tatum, do you mind if I swab you with this damp rag? No, not at all. Swab away. Whoa, whoa. Nobody mentioned the beaker. Please? It's for science. Oh, for science. In that case, proceed. Lisa, this is outrageous. Explain yourself. Shh. It's working. Look. Nelson, what are you doing? I don't know. I can't help myself. Hey, cut it out. I insist that you desist. Sorry. I'm so sorry. Yes! (laughs) Please don't hurt me. You leave me little recourse. So we get afternoon yak. It's uh, fuck. I thought this was hilarious. Men, boo! <laughs> and we get the news report from Brockman on how Homer is making Springfield the safest it could possibly be for kids, but in doing so, has put a lot of people out of business, particularly the guy that sells cartoon-covered band-aids. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I did like all the people coming out of the uh, out of the baby's get well card factory. That just you know, all these poor old sort of like. Coal miner looking types. Oh dear, very, very sad. Um, but Hober, purely so I could end this storyline, decides, wait a minute, it's more important that uh, these people stay in business than it is kids being safe. So he runs outside and tells kids to hurt themselves. Now, the line that in this episode that I sort of thought was a bit writing the line was saying, let cats sleep on your faces. I'm like, <laughs> you're making a joke about kids being smothered and potentially dying. I'm not down with that. Look, if, if this is early stuff by uh, Mazur's Frick, Frink and Payne, um, yeah, look, it, it's, it sort of reeks of young bucks out to make an impression with some outrageous humour. So, yeah. and well, look, don't, don't, some- don't ever joke about SIDS, that kind of thing. You know, kids getting killed because a cat slept on them. Unfortunate incidents like that. It's just, just, just don't do it. It's just fucking unacceptable in my opinion. Indeed. But something that made up for it was um, a really odd little visual when Homer's sort of running around, you know, <laughs> endangering children. Lenny and Carl are sitting on a bench, both yeah. drinking wine out of bottles like winos. Yeah, I, I feel like that. I didn't go and check in the DVD set, but it did say on Wikipedia that there were some deleted scenes. There had to have been a deleted scene where they run past and Lenny and Carl say something. Because why the <laughs> fuck else were they sitting there? I don't know, but yeah, just the fact that they're they're drinking wine out of bottles, yeah, eh, makes no sense. I'll go check after we finish recording, but I bet you that's one of the, the deleted scenes. Homer runs past, and they say some little quip because otherwise, there's no reason to have Lenny and Carl sitting there on a bench. Um, no. We're now at the twelfth annual big science thingy, and this is where Lisa's going to show off her her experiment with uh, with fancy. Before that, we get the giant flying saucer trap. <laughs> In case there's ever a UFO, it's a tough act to follow. Lisa points out the walkie-talkie creator is there. 
Marge doesn't believe. I did love how Frink got the attention of everybody. Pi is exactly three. <laughs> I'm sorry I had to come to that, but um, but now it's time for Lisa. Lisa shows off her experiment. Um, so there's a there's a uh, shot here where Lisa is looking out into the crowd, and for a brief second, the uh the the board is just white, and people use that for memes when it's like a um. Uh, somebody trying to get a some sort of political statement across or something like that. They always use that frame of Lisa standing in front of the, the whiteboard and put whatever their agenda is on the whiteboard. Mm-hmm. So Lisa, yeah, so we've got the experiment here with Francine and what else is there to say about this? It's just Lisa proves to everybody that bullies are attracted to nerd sweat, basically. And that's, well, that's pretty and much the only, all there is to it. And the way to counteract when- it is using salad dressing. Yeah. When, uh, when she was brought out in the cage... Was your first thought, why don't you get in the cage? And then, luckily, they cover their ass with, uh, like, to thank uh, the parents for the caging, for the help with the caging. <laughs> yes, 100%. When she came out, I was like, how did Lisa get her in there? But yeah, you're right. So, at least they covered their tracks there. The, the scientists don't don't want to believe it, and then Lisa proves that it's right, it actually works, it's salad dressing. To me, though, I was just like, I got to this point in the episode, and it's not bad, but I'm just sitting there going, what is the fucking point of any of this? It's just mm-hmm. like... What am I watching right now? <laughs> just, it just, just seemed—I don't know—just seemed a bit. Silly. It didn't really. It didn't really have much of a point. No, it? it didn't at all. It just sort of just this episode just really teed out at the end there. Um, they Lisa wins. She gets the JC Penny voucher. Homer's just back to being obnoxious, <laughs> saying you just did it to get some attention. Then Francine runs wild, beats the shit out of everybody. Everyone stands back and laughs as she beats up people and she attacks the screen and an episode. I did like it's it's a nice way to end the whole sort of her ah, attacking the screen. I thought that was look. Um, I thought it was amusing, but yeah. Again, there's not much to this episode, is there? No, no. It just sort of got to the end. I went. I'm probably never going to watch this episode ever again. I just <laughs> I have no desire to ever watch this one again. And that's not to say, like I said, it's not to say that it was bad, but I guess in saying that, the fact that I don't want to watch it again probably means it's a bad episode in my opinion, but it didn't annoy me, didn't bother me. I just didn't care about it at all. It's one of the, I've, I've never felt so indifferent about a Simpsons episode this season at least until this one. So a yeah, very the- mild thumbs down for me, this one. Yeah, I'm even sort of doing the, uh, the not the meh hand gesture, but that kind of, eh, it's so-so. Because I mean, meh. there are enough sort of... They weren't exactly spikes of like, <laughs> but more like, <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm actually doing like a little graph with my hand, uh, which really works gangbusters on a podcast. But um, yeah, just like a little a little hump and then a little slump, a little hump, a little slump, and it all sort of evens out in the end. So yeah, yeah, it is what it is. This was. It also doesn't. Ha- it also doesn't help that it just followed new kids on the black and uh, hungry, hungry Homer either. It, it's following up, yeah, two very solid episodes. Um, oh, and by the way, as is my want, I should point out that uh, with the Gracie, no shh on the Gracie for some reason. They, they were wrapping up the song by um, NQR or whatever the band's name is. It's not NQR. I know. It's not <laughs> not but, quite uh, right. Yeah, I'm not quite right because I know it's it's another name. But um, the band the band is NRBQ. NRBQ. I knew, I knew there were initials in there, and I got most of them right. But uh, yes, at the very end, they're playing the whole song right up to and over the Gracie. So you don't hear the shh. Do, 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 oh, I don't hear anything do, do, do. at all. Okay. Or maybe you get the. Do, 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 do. Can I do can that you, one can, more time? Because it's so much fun to do, do it. Can you do that once more for me, please? 
That's going to be at the end of this podcast, just so you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think if, if you ask me later what are, any final words for the listeners, it's not going to be a word, it's going to be a so, sound. I, I need to hear you. You need to say shush. Say shush. Shh. Right, that's the end. <laughs> okay, people. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> what did we learn, Palmer? So what did you learn from the episode, Mr. Davis? Uh, look, not much about bullying, in all honesty, but I did learn uh, that if you're trying to sell an insanely violent breakfast cereal, uh, sex sells. <laughs> I learned that Willie needs to take his own advice and do not touch Willie. <laughs> that is very good advice. You never trust, never tr- trust a Scotsman with a camera. From this day forward, your names will be... It's the Guy Davis New Name Championship for Bye Bye Nerdies. Only a few rounds left for Season 12, where... We've smashed it through this season, Mr. David, but I've got to say I've really enjoyed it so far. The current leaderboard stands at this. Uh, in third position, we have Josh Hedge on 11 points. In second position, Alistair Danik on 14 points. And in first position, D. Earl Gorman on 15 points. All right, Mr. Davis, take it away. What have we got this week? Well, it's funny you should mention D.L. Gorman because um, I'm going to give old D.L. an honourable mention uh, before we mm. get into uh, gold, silver and bronze. Cage Against the Francine, I thought, was a pretty nifty alternative title. Mm-hmm. Um, as was Andrew Parker's Smells Like Mean Spirit. Um, That's really good. I, I enjoy that one. That's good. That was a good one. But one point this time around goes to Jasper Bruce. I don't know Jasper if this is Bruce. Jasper's first time on the leaderboard, but... Uh, for this, for, well, no, no, no. He's, he's on three points, so he's now on four points, Jasper Bruce. Well, there you go. Jasper gets a point this time around for Lethal Sweatin'. Oh, how good is that? Well done, Jasper. It's solid stuff. Uh, two points, however... Go to Josh Hedge. Oh, he's catching up. He's only one point behind second and two points behind first. Now on 13, what has he got? Oh, he's, he's positively Buzz Aldrin. Only, you know, second comes... Uh, what is it? There it comes right <laughs> after second. <laughs> uh, Josh gave us a few good ones, including Nerds of Prey. Oh, yes. Well, oh, that's, yes. That's, that's like perfect. Yeah, well done. Mm. And Sense, with a T-S, and mm-hmm. Sense Ability. Bit of a tongue twister there. I do like. I think I prefer Nerds of Prey, but both very solid titles. They're both very solid. But I'll tell you who just came charging in, teaching everybody a lesson, declaring his presence with authority. Uh, we haven't heard the name in a little while, but oh, he's back with a vengeance. Geroid Harahill. Geroid. Indeed. What, is he, the, what has he got for us? So he's now on 12 points. So it's very tight at the top of the table at the moment. But what, what has he got for us? Gear is in top gear. Look, he's just throwing heat after heat. Uh, check some of this shit out. Scent of a whoopin'. That's not perfect. We could stop there. But no, there's more. Stinky in the brain. Oh, man, oh, man. Assault and vinegar. <laughs> that's, that's so good. And... Look, someone else also came up with this. So props to Andrew Kelly, but he came up with a little bit later on and Gear got their first Pheromone and Lisa. Greta had enough of not being in the leaderboard anymore at the top, so he's just like, that's it, foot down, three think, points coming my way. It's it's just like someone kicking open a door. It's like in a Western or something when the you know, the baddest <laughs> gunslinger in town just rocks back and, you know, kicks open the swinging doors like that's meant to be the you know do, the West. Do, do, yeah. do. <laughs> so gives these weren't even that's just a selection. He, he threw some more in there, but I was like, oh, we'll pick the best of the best. Uh, but yeah, three points to gear because whoa, yeah, br- bringing the heat. 
Well, Garode's now on 12 points. Uh, it puts him in fourth. In third position, still Josh Hedge on 13. Alistair Danix in second on 14. And DL in first position on 15. So it's 12, 13, 14, 15. That's the top four positions. You can't get any closer than that. One point splits them all. It is toit. Toit like a toiger. Yeah, so... Uh... <laughs> I've never heard that saying before, but I'll go with it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, uh, yes. Fun, interesting times at the New Titles Challenge. The Guy Davis New Titles Challenge, you might say. Yes, indeed. And, of course, it means it's now time that we go into Twitter and Instagram where we get some new names from our other listeners as well because we like to include everybody here at Four Finger Discount. So just jump onto the Twitter. Follow us at Four Finger Pod. I asked this morning for some new names, and today they sent some through... All right, so this one comes from at CJ Hoff 6. They say, scent of a nerd. Not bad there. And ooh, I don't mind this one from at Sam the Angel Fox, Eureka Simpson. So Eureka as in scent. Eureka Simpson. So well played, Sam. All right, let's jump onto Instagram and see what they've sent in today as well. <laughs> this is not bad. From at Sadra Calfaro, uh, for whom the bell repressitoles. <laughs> uh, at 42 Black, sense and sensey doherty. You know, we always love it when they sneak in a, uh, a dough in there, don't Mr. Davis, as well as here, finally, from at Scott Vincent 666, Gross Point Dexter Blank. Thank you so much, guys, for sending in your new names. Don't forget, follow us on Twitter at Four Finger Pod, follow us on Instagram at Four Finger Discount, or if you want to be a part of the Guy Davis New Name Championship, you just got to be a $1 plus patron. That's right, for just $1 a month, you can get access to some exclusive podcasts, the Facebook group, the Guy Davis New Name Championships, the lot, just for as low as $1. Patreon.com slash Four Finger Discount. But for now, Mr. Davis, I believe I hear something at the front door. Jamil! Jamil is here! Ooh! It's the mailbag time for this week. We've got some questions from our patrons as well as from the regular mailbag. If you want to send in your question, you're not a patron, just go to mailbag at fourfingerdiscount.com.au. Love to hear from each and every one of you. Don't be afraid. Send your questions in. We read all the emails that come through. Mailbag at fourfingerdiscount.com.au. But this one here is from a patron from Mr. Pat Wright. By the way, check out his Facebook group or Facebook page, Pat's Polls. He does some oh. really fun polls on there, so check it out. Pat's polls. If you're a patron, I think you post it in the Patreon group as well. Just look up Pat's polls on Facebook and make sure you join that group. I like to pat polls on occasion. Pat recently did a um did the polls on favorite breakfast cereals, which went bananas. So uh, yeah, check it out. I, don't, not, I can't remember which one won. Possibly Fruit Loops. I'm not sure, but check it out. Pat's polls. But anyway, his question is: Who's your favorite fictional bully outside of the Simpsons universe, Mr. Davis? Um, look, I'm going to sing the praises of a little-known movie from the 80s. What a surprise, people say. But this is a movie called Three O'Clock High. The gist of it is there's a, uh, you know, high school sort of everyman. You know, not really a dork, but not really Mr. Popular either. Just an everyday dude. And he runs afoul of the new kid in school who turns out to be this monstrous psycho bully, essentially, who's, you know, transferred in from another school just an absolute nightmare, and the rest of the the rest of the um, film is basically him trying every means possible to sort of get out of fighting this bully at three o'clock uh, at the end of school. Uh, it's it's really really good. It's it's very um, I was about to say underrated. I don't think it's rated at all. I mean, it sort of vanished off the radar for a while. But I remember really digging in as a teenager, and then uh, finding it on um, on Blu-ray just a couple of years ago and bought it and revisited it's like oh this is awfully made and awfully well acted particularly by the actor Richard Tyson who's gone on to have a career in just B movies and all that kind of shit Two Moon Junction 
Um, I don't know if you've ever heard of that one, Dando. Do you, have you heard of the movie Two Moon Junction? I unfortunately have not. Sorry. It's a... Uh, <laughs> um, prior to the internet making pornography available to everybody, you had to watch erotic movies. And um, Oh, man, I, I was a fiend for watching erotic tales on SBS when I was a kid. Well, this is, well, I think this is by the same guy who did Erotic Tales or Red Shoe Diaries okay. or something along those lines. But it had Richard Tyson, who basically looks like um, if Channing Tatum was having a really bad day. He's that kind of big, bulky dude and looks a bit sort of, you know... Uh, a step or two down the evolutionary ladder. He's got that kind of caveman face. But a very, very good actor. And Cheryl and Finn from Twin Peaks. And they're basically, you know, he's a bad boy from the wrong side of the track. She's a rich girl who wants a bit more out of life. And they get it on a lot. Um, she go, wow, wow. Bow, bow. Yeah, that's Two Moon Junction. <laughs> but once you've seen Two Moon Junction and then rewatched it, um, go check out uh, Three O'Clock High, starring Richard Tyson as Buddy Ravel, one of my, probably my favourite screen bully. So there we go. What about Biff from Back to the Future? He's pretty iconic. Oh, Biff's a nightmare. Isn't he a shocker? Him and his... What a douchebag. Absolute tool. You know, a, a, a prototype for Donald Trump, of course, as we all know. But, um, yeah, him and his, his cadre of buddies as well. Billy Zane's one of them. Billy Zane is one of um, mm. but, uh, uh, one of Biff's uh, pals. Just the way he Fun- says Big Fly. Oh, oh. You dare Big Fly. <laughs> <laughs> Funnily enough, in an odd yeah. coincidence, one of... Um, I'm pretty sure that one of Biff's cohorts in Back to the Future is played by an actor named Casey Shamoshko. Casey is the lead in Three O'Clock High. What? Oh, there we go. Fucking full circle right there. D- Dando and I did not practice this before we came on board. You can obviously tell that because, you know, I'm just rabbiting on and talking shit. I mean, if this was scripted and polished, it'd be a lot tighter. But how about that? Oh, incredible. So there we one go. One of my Bit. one of the most one of the more uh, one of the most quotable bullies I feel, at least from my childhood, is O'Doyle rules. <laughs> <laughs> have you have you seen Billy Madison? I have, of course, seen Billy Madison, but not in a very long time. Okay, well, that's uh, man, like that from my generation is like if you think of bullies, you think of O'Doyle rules. He's like <laughs> that. So basically. Every so when he goes to primary school, there's a young O'Doyle who's a bully. Then when he goes to high school, there's a, 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 like a high school version of the same kid who's also a bully, and the whole family just like O'Doyle rules every time they <laughs> beat someone up. So yeah, O'Doyle rules is my iconic bully. <laughs> it, it's funny you mention that as well because I mean, for some reason today, I don't know if you have this thing where a line from a movie gets stuck in your head, and it just feels like it's so much fun to say that you just keep repeating it, like even if you're not talking to anyone, and. I don't know, I think maybe I'd seen, like, I don't know, an attractive lady on a TV commercial or on the internet or something, and for, for an hour or so, I'd just walk here and say, so hot, want to touch the hiney? <laughs> <laughs> I, I love the way Chris Farley nails, that is correct, and then takes his shirt off. <laughs> whenever, I'm, whenever I have to say that's right or that's correct, I, that's exactly how I say it every single time. That is correct. <laughs> uh, God bless Billy Madison. I'm gonna have to watch it again very soon. But uh, oh, yeah, do it. yeah. Oh, good. Yeah. We've picked, I think we picked some good bullies. This one comes from Adam Vagona. He says, "Which character would you like to? Or which Simpsons character would you like to be stuffed into a locker with?" Hmm. Well, I think listeners of this podcast will be aware of my affection for Lindsay Nagel. Um, mm. Although, eh, <laughs> I don't know if being in a, being in a uh, stuffed in a locker with her would you know produce the desired outcome. But as I get older, um, I'm gaining more and more of appreciation for Edna Kay. Man, think- I've always had appreciation for Mrs. Kay. You only get one <laughs> chance of Mrs. Kay. 
I think um, I think a little time. I think a bit of you know seven minutes in heaven action with uh, with Ed Decay in the locker. <laughs> I think it would be indeed be seven minutes in heaven. And final question here from Mr. Kenny Gad says, "What smell can change your mood no matter what the situation?" What do you think, Dando? Uh, when it comes to food, I love the smell of uh, you know when you just bought a hot chicken from the from the supermarket. Oh yeah. And you just open it up and you get that just that fresh smell of just the chicken skin that's just been roasting in fat all day. Oh, yeah. That's, that smell, I, I love it. You know what I mean? Um, but when it comes to just scents, and this is just, it sounds a bit lame, I know, but when my nan passed away in May, I kept one of her perfume bottles. And occasionally, it's in the studio, and occasionally I sort of sniff it a bit and it just immediately just like memories just flow back. You know, it's like, it's amazing how the smell of nan's perfume can just sort of make me feel like she's still around, even though that oh. sounds silly. That's not silly at all, Dando. I actually have um, a pretty much empty bottle of my dad's, my late dad's um, favourite scent. I've kept I think it in you the may top have told me this, actually, yeah. yeah. Kept it in the top drawer of my uh, my bedside table, and uh, every once in a while I'll open that up and the little waft of Aramis will come out like, hey, g'day, Dad, how you doing? Um, yeah, it's good, isn't it? But what, it what about nice. food? food? Food for you? Food-wise, though, um, if I am sautéing... Freshly chopped onions and garlic uh, as, as the base for something. Oh, I'll garlic you, and onions are so good. Absolutely. Look, I always want to sort of make a scented candle out of that with the scent of um, onions and garlic sautéing. I'd make a million dollars. In fact, I'd make a <laughs> billion I would buy, dollars. I would buy a million of them. Yes, you are correct. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, look, any nerdlingers out there or, you know, any would-be Lisa Simpson pheromone sort of uh, explorers or whatever... Try and come up with a um, uh, garlic and onion uh, scented candle, and then give it to me. Don't 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 try and sell it to me. Just give it to me, and then I'll sell it, and maybe I'll give you a little bit of money back. How's what about sound? the smell of freshly popped popcorn covered in butter? Um, look, I can. See you're not a popcorn you guy, though, are you? I'm you not a popcorn, popcorn guy. This is a, a controversial possession position that I take, but I think that popcorn is a garbage snack. Um, oh. <laughs> Actually, that no. doesn't, yes, but most food that you and I consume is garbage. But yes, it still tastes good, though. Well, I mean garbage in the... No, nah, this, is, this isn't even good crap. This is Bad wasting crap. my time. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, I don't I like... I spit on your popcorn. Having said that, I don't mind the odd bag of um, popcorn that I get from the supermarket. Every That's good every once in a while. And I do like sort of uh, caramelised popcorn and stuff along those lines. But the stuff you get from the cinema, I, I would just ignore. Is that because you've is that because you've been to the movie so many times that you got you got sick of it? Did you used to get it a lot when you were younger and then just said, ah oh, fuck this not having popcorn anymore? Because it because going to the movies wasn't sort of the an experience anymore, it just became your job? That's a possibility. I mean, you didn't always get popcorn when you went, but occasionally if you went to a, a, a previous screening of a movie for uh, for reviewing, it's like, hey guys, we're going to treat you, and here's a bottle of water and a thing of popcorn. It's like, eh, really? Yeah, because like, for, for me growing up, popcorn was part of the movie going experience. But if it's just something you do every day because it's your job, you just be like, yeah, whatever. True. May, yeah, that may well be the case, and I may be too, being too harsh on um, on multiplex pop, multiplex popcorn. But yeah, it's just not my thing anymore. I will instead go and buy a packet of salted vinegar chips and a coke. Yep, that's a wise choice. Very good. All right, well, this final question here comes from our regular mailbag, mailbag at fourfigurediscount.com.au. Also, if you just want to get in touch with us, we both have our own uh, emails now, so guy at fourfigurediscount.com.au. If you want to contact Guy and not have me know what what you're saying about me, or vice versa, (laughs) just add our names at the start. Uh, He says, hey, guys, 
this one comes from Dave. Hey guys, quickly just want to say how much your podcast has meant to me over these last few months. Um, I'm a musician in the US who is totally out of work for the foreseeable future and your show brings some very much needed uh, brevity to my life. Uh, That being said, a few shows back, Guy mentioned how much he wanted to... So, this this email came from a few weeks back, by the way. So, he said, a recent podcast, you mentioned how you wanted to to see pigs racing. Um, He just wanted to let you know that these do indeed exist. Uh, Growing up in Ohio, going to the state fair, one of the big highlights for him as a kid was going to see pig races. They usually started with piglets and progressed through a few different sized pigs all the way up to pot bellies. They would have some names like Hammer Montana, and when the pig pop, when the big pot belly pigs would race, they would play Lowrider. Here's a picture of the track. Here's a picture of the track, and he sent us a picture of, of the pigs racing. So he says, stay, uh, stay safe and well from Dave. So thanks for running in, Dave. But yeah, I would love to watch pigs racing. Piglets, that'd be incredible. I'd, I would love to see. Oh, look, they all sound great, especially the especially having Lowrider playing with the pot belly pigs coming out. That sounds marvellous. Dave, thank you very much for, uh, for getting in touch. Anyone out there who needs a good muso, I would suggest you uh, get in touch with Dave. Or yeah. I'm, I'm not sure how we get in touch with Dave, but Dave, if you want to write in, uh, mailbag at or over your patron, just email me directly or message me directly and we'll, uh, we'll send links to all of our listeners out there and hopefully they can get you some work. Indeed. Stay tuned, Dave. I mean, stay tuned up or you know what I mean. All right, Mr. Davis, well, that wraps up our review of Bye Bye Nerdy. This, next week, we are reviewing an episode called Simpson Safari. Now, I am going to be honest. Usually, I wait until... I, I watch one episode at a time, right? But last mm-hmm. night or the night before, uh, I was stuck on the couch with Holly. When I say stuck on the couch, that sounds horrible. I was watching Holly on the couch because she has to sleep on our chest at the moment because she's been diagnosed with reflux and it's a, it's a nightmare at times. So, Nicola was getting some much-needed rest and I was sitting on the couch with Holly. I couldn't get up, so I just had the Simpsons playing. And I thought I'd just watch Simpson Safari. And I remember really not liking this episode, but I've got to say, I gave this one a massive thumbs up. It was a much, a, a big improvement from Bye Bye Nerdy. I really, really enjoyed it. It's essentially Bart versus Australia, but in Africa. Oh, okay then. Well, look, you, you've already seen it. I have not seen it. So, uh, but guess what? I will have seen it by the time we get around to talking about it next week. Yes, yeah. Don't expect a good solid story. It's more just a bunch of like sight gags about Africa, but it's still, I really enjoyed it. Okay, and that's the case. Well, I look forward to watching it, and I look forward even more to talking about it next week. Don't forget, guys, to rate and review us in the iTunes store. We haven't had a few reviews for a couple of weeks now, so please continue to do so and give us five stars. We do, I do read all the reviews that come through, so just to, just Google uh, Four Figure Discount iTunes and hop on and give us a, a review there. It would be much appreciated. Follow us on Twitter at Four Finger Pod. Follow us on Instagram at Four Finger Discount and like the Facebook page as well. Don't forget, we also do a few other podcasts which are now available for free, just a few weeks behind the Patreon feed. We've got uh, Talking Seinfeld, where we review every episode of Seinfeld. Basically, it's Four Finger Discount, but Seinfeld. We've got <laughs> Tales of Futurama. We're still Mitch and myself reviewing every episode of Futurama. We do uh, Take Like a Mandalorian, uh, where we do a bit of a a breakdown of the recent episodes of The Mandalorian The Guy and Dando Show and much much more are all available at patreon.com slash fourfingerdiscount if you want to be ahead but it's also now available for free so just look up all your, your, your podcast apps and look for all those podcasts I'm sure you will enjoy them as well but for now Mr. Davis any final words for the listeners? Shh! Do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do